And thank you very much for tuning in to this recap episode covering round 9 of Super Rugby Aotearoa, where unfortunately the Crusaders captured their fourth title in as many years, a week earlier than what everybody would have liked. But nonetheless, you had to tip your hat to the Red and Blacks. They are the golden standard of rugby in New Zealand, and they proved it once again on Sunday afternoon when they pulled away late. In their fixture, but on Saturday night we were also treated to a pretty good game between the Hurricanes and the Chiefs, where unfortunately for the Chiefs, they finished Super Rugby Aotearoa 0-8, but nonetheless I will jump straight into the podcast where I am once again joined by the brother Tim Young, and we cover all of the talking points from this latest weekend of action. Enjoy. Sweet brother, well thank you very much for rejoining me to recap round nine of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Unfortunately, the victors have been crowned a week earlier than both me and you would have liked. So yeah, well, man, we'll get to the Crusaders win, but first up, we had the Hurricanes taking on the Chiefs at home, which the Hurricanes won 31 points to 18. They also nabbed a bonus point to keep themselves in contention, or at least for that for the 24 hours prior to the kickoff between the Crusaders and Highlanders. Mm. They were still in with a mathematical chance going into the final round. But, yeah, first thoughts from you, bro. What did you think of Saturday night's game? Oh, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a better effort uh, from the Chiefs in terms of how they played together in the, uh, in, in the, in the tight, because I know that's been letting them down a bit. But, uh, again, you know, it was just another one of those days for those boys. And whether they now, they were into the bye next week and they're going to be sitting there with a with a distasteful uh, zero and eight. But, um, yeah, you just look at, you just look at, got to look at the stats lines and, and mate, they uh, they were beaten. They were beaten pretty much in every in every statistic except for uh, offloads, you know. They, they, I think it was like, I saw it was like three more offloads, but, you know, it wasn't enough to, to make a difference. No, not at all. And it was, it was a funny one because usually in that first half for the Hurricanes, they were the aggressor, but the Chiefs mm. were sort of hanging on and hanging on and hanging on, and it didn't help when Cobus Vate went to the bin for a pretty unnecessary throw on old mate the janitor, Brad Weber. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I thought the but I thought the Chiefs actually did really well to only be down by nine points at the break. Yeah. Just because yeah. the the Hurricanes just it seemed as if like all the footy was played in the Chiefs twenty two, and any chance the ball, you know, fell into the midst of the Chiefs, they were having to clear it. Like they didn't actually get in any sort of attacking opportunities, and um. Even when like Damian McKenzie's first shot at goal like hit the crossbar, you know I think it sort of just summed up the Chiefs' night as a whole. You know it was yeah. just going to be one of those days where you know they just couldn't quite get over the line or get over the bar. So yeah, but um, I mean yeah, for me though, I thought that the the Hurricanes, especially in that second half, even though the game sort of evened out, they I guess took their opportunities with three well taken tries. Obviously, we had Colsey's one finishing out on the edge. He had the nice cross kick out to Van Vake. And then sort of the icing on the cake, really, off that little scuttle by Jamie Booth. I mean, I know you talked about his speed. I mean, he, he he's a he's a bloody nippy little fella, eh? Like, he oh, seems no. to be taking every opportunity he's got. And Billy Proctor, I think, 
I don't think it was his first dot, but but correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, he, he managed to finish underneath the sticks. Yeah, he picked up, he picked up a nice meat pie, a uh, good old steak and cheese for him. I, I could imagine is what he's after. So yeah, like you said with old um, Jamie Booth, mate, he come he comes screaming off the bench and he had 14 meters and what was a bloody fucking three three serious carries straight off the gate. But when you're looking at the the overall team as a whole. You've got Geordie Barrett, who's probably... You've got a rock, paper, scissors between old uh, Richie Mwanga and him for the uh, MVP. He's been uh, with the boot lighting bombs for about 60 metres out uh, consistently. And then in terms of his carrying game, he had 16 carries on the weekend, um, which resulted in a, in a lot of broken play. And when you've got a guy like Peter Umanga Jensen, who's just found his form, and TJ Piranara nipping at the heels... Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long night for those boys. I, I want to make the point on on, on Peter Umanga Jensen, another standout game for him. Two, well, the first try was off just him showcasing his line running. Like yeah. at the moment, there, there doesn't seem to be another midfielder timing his run off his midfield partner quite like like Peter is at the moment. And even with his first try, it was more sort of like a heads up play between him and TJ. Yeah, and he managed to to split both. Nankerville and then a Brown and then obviously he just had the nice little support line after after shoveling it out to Wes Husanu. Showed a good, a good little flip pass inside. I think mm. he, he committed at least three guys. So, um, I mean, you know, what, what's the old Ken Laban saying? You know, like, Peter Umanga Jensen's name will go down in the paper, but put it down to the class of Husan. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm, Mate, like I'm if, if, you're gonna, if you're going to be referencing quotes, the only ones I can reference is rugby LA, like the won't touch him or <laughs> Oh, that was a crunching tackle. You know, those were those are the classic ones that you've got to pull out. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was just me though, but as nice as Peter's line running is, it it almost seemed like in that first half, Vince Arsenal was almost trying to premeditate shoveling it to him. And there were a couple of times where yeah. it sort of hit him in the side of the arm, or the rush defense got up there before Peter could quite get a hold of the ball. And I think that the Hurricanes. Not so much went away from it in the second half, but maybe had a little bit more depth and they were a bit more canny with their attack rather than playing so direct. Because yeah, I, I think, think they I were think dominating. I think when they front. went into the old locker room at halftime, they would have they would have had a, had a bit of a debrief. Because yeah, when they did come out in that second half, mate, they were screaming again. I think the other point that I wanted to make just quickly as part of my notes is that well, three of the standout players for me were Umanga Jensen, Dane Coles, and Adi Sevilla. Yeah, and. I, you know, I reference stats a lot as, as part of my recaps to, I guess, sort of as a reflection of just how impactful guys have been. But funnily enough, when I went to check the stats, so so Peter himself, he only carried for 27 metres. Mm. And both Artie and Dane carried for less than 30 metres. But when you, when you watch the game, you almost feel like they were doing more. And, yeah. and, and between the three of them as well, they, you know, all three of them together, they only had five tackles each. But yet... For whatever reason, I, I, you know, I have this memory of the game, or from from what I took away from the game, it was almost like they were everywhere, and so it, like it's quite funny. Like when sometimes when you go back and look at the stats, sometimes it's not a true reflection of a player's impact on the game, or yeah, I would have probably swapped Hardy up for Duplessis, eh? old Dupe. Mate, he had a, he had a big night doing doing what a number seven does well. Like he had twelve tackles, he was just absolutely killing it um, around the park. And was just was just absolutely giving it to those guys in the breakdown. But you know his carrying was strong as well. 
Like he he had five carries and he was he went for about thirty or thirty meters or something like that. And yeah, I just thought I just thought he was he was just he just filled his role in extremely well. So I would have given it to old Doof in the third spot. But yeah, I agree with the other two. Yeah, well, Duplessis a funny one, eh? Like whenever I watch him, like he's just balls to the wall. Like mm. some of the carrying, like I think, well, albeit he bunted off, I think it was Caleb Trask. I think it was off like a, a one-off pot off the lineout, but he just throws himself into everything. And I'm, you know, like, and I don't mean any slide by this, but he's not a big bugger. Like I know he's jacked as hell, but like when you yeah. when you look at him in stature, in com- yeah, in comparison to you know <laughs> some of the other sevens or sixes running around, is like you know. Just seeing him in person, but then you know you sort of seeing him in the game and comparing him to the size of everyone else is just like, yeah. I guess it just goes to show the warrior in him, and you know oh, there's a reason why he's he playing plays at that like level. a lionheart. He plays like an absolute lionheart out there, and you know he may not be the the most lengthiest of characters out in the field, but mate, he just absolutely makes up for it in other areas. So, you know where he may lack, lack in uh, height, he definitely makes up for it in ticker. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. I know I know a few big boys, um, even at that level, and especially at the club rugby level, that could could take you know even a percentage, a slight percentage of his ticket, and they'd be yeah. um, a much better player. But uh, we won't delve into that. But onto the Chiefs, so so unfortunately, like you mentioned, they finished Super Rugby Aotearoa with a donut in the wing column, and. Saturday to me was really no different than what's happened the past few months. I mean, with the exception, like we mentioned last week, of the Highlanders game where they sort of started off hot and then couldn't quite close out the game, it was just squandered opportunities. And I mean, like the the big one that springs to mind was where they made a nice little breakdown down the left edge in the second half, and the ball falls into to the midst of Brad Weber, who's another one who just hasn't been able to find that find that rhythm in this reformatted competition and he goes to throw the old flick pass and it doesn't go to hand and I think he even clocked Peter Gus Sawakula's like leg in the back of the head um, maybe as just like a, a bit of a punishment for maybe trying to do something um, when it wasn't on so yeah. I, I was reading an article uh, the other day and it said that the Chiefs hadn't won for 155 days after Saturday's loss and so like if, if you Come up to now, if you fast forward to now, that's roughly about 158, 159 days. And if we're going into 2021 with the Super Rugby season starting at the earliest being January 30th, because I know that the Super Rugby season this year started at January 31, which was a Saturday, so it's advanced at a year. Yeah, It's going to be over 300 days um, until the Chiefs get their next opportunity to win a game. Yeah, which is, and, that, um, and that's kind of like when you, when you look at it, from a Super Rugby perspective, you've got to times that by at least two or three, and it really is on par with the Southland Stags effort from two or three years ago. We, you know, they they were what they oh, what was it three three seasons, two yeah, three and a half seasons they went uh, winless before they knocked over counties last year. But so uh, yeah, they're they're really on par with those boys at the moment with that with that great record. But someone you got you got to tip your hat to was old. Uh, Shawnee Dubs, eh? Sean Wainui. You know, he, he had a he had a huge, huge game. And I think he was probably him uh him and a handful of others were probably the highlights to the Chiefs season this year in terms of uh the players. Like he's really solidified himself as a as a player for that franchise. Yeah. A nice one was also the appearance of Luke Jacobson. I know I know he played mm. last week, but 
I don't know, it was just good to see him back in the action after his pretty hard run with injuries. And I mean, I, I completely forgot the guy's only like 23. Like, yeah. But, but he's sort of been one of those guys that's been around since he's left school and he made such a big name for himself um, so quickly that you almost feel like he's been around for a lot longer or that he's older than he actually is. So yeah, he's another one that he might not have the, the Ks in his legs to maybe warrant an all-black selection, but knowing that he's of that sort of pedigree and that he's had that experience in the All Blacks camp. And he, and he, and he would have gone to the World Cup last year had he not taken that, that late head knock. Mm. So he's, he's another one you know, among the the big group of Lucys that have stuck their hand up. Yeah, Sam um, Kane had a very year. quiet game from his standards. Well, he was unfortunate, remember, because he went off after half an hour. Like He, he took, yeah. that, he took that, that knee to the head, and I know that I've given him a bit of stick, or you know I've been quite critical of Sam Kane's appointment as the All Black captain and you know like I said take nothing away from the guy but after having a pretty big game last week uh, and a losing effort to the Crusaders mm. it was just yeah unfortunate to see his night in pretty early ended, ended up the half an hour because um, ultimately you know you don't just use your head for rugby um, you, you use it for you know when your career's finished and he's he, he's taken some pretty scary knocks and so yeah, but then um, one last point before I, I get to one, what my closing point, so I guess I've got two more points left, sorry, uh, is I was reading the other day as well that Damian McKenzie has been responsible for close to 55% of the Chiefs' points in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Now, I know he's the goal kicker, but that's a pretty alarming stack, and I guess it just goes to show that the, the Chiefs have really, really struggled to score tries. Now... Mm. You know, as much as they say that defense wins games, you know, well, you're not going to keep yourself in the contest if you can't keep the scoreboard ticking over. And if you look back at a lot of the games where the Chiefs have been in the contest, because I'm pretty sure the majority of their games have they've been lost by less than 10 points, you know, you just have to imagine, like, what would have happened if they'd maybe taken away a couple of their three-pointers and instead turned them into, into fives, yeah. you know, made for, a, I guess, a closer finish. So, Well, none of, none of the Chiefs players had over 10 tackles. In that game, um, they they had a they had a pretty consistent across the park, but yeah, there was a very very quiet effort by standards of when you're looking at uh, the positions um, of who makes the most tackles, and it was very very quiet. Like Caleb Trask, I think he was the top tackler in that Chiefs side. Really? Um, yeah. And wow. That's saying something right yeah. there. Yeah, first five. Yeah, you don't you don't often get your first fives making. The most tackles in a game. Oh, it'd be interesting to see that the point you bring up. Though I might actually go back and watch the game and see where he was defending in the line as well. Yeah. Because typically they either put them down the five, off set piece, or they even chuck them into fullback. Well, they do um, a Quade Cooper and go stand down the wing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but that's what I mean. Maybe, yeah. maybe he does defending quite close. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the reason. But, but, but still, you're expecting your Lucy's to to top the tackle count and I actually thought that the Canes were playing through the middle for the most part they weren't actually playing all that wide so it's not like the game could have gone away from the forwards or away from the Lucys so yeah, that, oh, that, yeah. a good point for me to maybe go back and brush up on but yep uh, on to my final point though before we jump into the Crusaders-Highlanders game there was, a, there was a stoppage during the game and I was quite curious as to which way it was going to go and it was when Sean Wainui made that break and he jumped into Geordie Barrett and he went mm. when he went airborne, and Geordie's ducked in to get a good initial shoulder on, and he's come up, and he's obviously flipped Sean Wainui, who's who himself has left the ground. And I only raise this point because I've actually talked about it with my old man because 
you, you see it a few times these days where guys have gone to hurdle players to try and skip out that nice low tackle. But it's a yeah. funny one because it's almost I almost feel like if you are choosing to leave the ground that you should be penalised because you're actually not only running the risk of putting your own self in danger, but you're also more likely to connect with your knee to the head of yeah, the tackler. I, I agree. I agree pretty pretty concrete on that. Like if you do choose to to hurdle someone, you like it's it's different to when the ball's up in the air and it's a fair contest from a kick. Exactly. Um, where where the player has the right to the ball if he's in the air, and I think that was probably one of the most sensible rule changes to happen in, in rugby uh, when they did bring that in. But if you are choosing as the ball carrier to leave the ground and try and hurdle or jump into someone, then you're fair game. I think I think that I think to an extent, unless it's malicious, then that, then it needs to be reviewed. But yeah, you're fair game. If you leave the ground, that's that's how I feel about it. Well, I don't even think that players should be leaving the ground full stop because it's like, yep, it's one thing to put yourself in harm's way, but you know the fact that you're jumping up and your knees are then going to be roughly around the same sort of tackle height, or you can even catch a guy who's gone to duck down to make the tackle. You catch him on the way up. You know that that mm. it, it can only end um, horribly for for either parties. You know, either the first guy leaves his feet and he ends up doing a somersault and hurting himself or the second guy the tackler gets gets caught with one on the chops and he gets himself knocked out so or you get a bloody uh, sprig to the head yeah ex- ex- exactly <laughs> that's what i mean i don't think players should actually be leaving the ground now i know that sometimes in the heat of battle when when guys go to step that sometimes these things happen but yeah, like you, if you go back and watch the tape, um, especially with someone like, you know, or if you take Saturday's example, like Sean Warner, he's looking to jump over Jordy Barrett and get the the offload around the corner. But I, I even sort of sort of date back this whole hurdling argument back to when Viper Fita famously hurdled a guy playing for Wellington against Counties no. Manuka. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was down the left hand tram tracks, but. Yeah, I, I know was, I'm was reaching. It was the yeah. Blues' first five. What was his name? He went on to kick on for the England. Oh, Piers or... Francis. Yep, yeah, yep, it was yep, Piers yep, Francis. Yeah, yeah that's the one, bro. That's yeah. the one. That's what I mean. Like, I, I just don't think that players should be leaving the ground. Oh no, definitely because not. yeah, it, it just puts either party in harm's way. But yeah, yeah. okay, yep. Yeah. Run over. Yeah, on to Sunday. Sunday's game, oh, which. Yeah, like I, I don't know about you. I know that you, being a Highlander supporter, um, are probably a bit more disappointed than me, considering the effort that your boys put up for the first sixty minutes. But I, I think it was close to game of the year, to be honest. That had everything in it. it was, Better than the Crusaders um, Hurricanes game. Oh yeah, I, I believe it was. It was unbelievable. Just uh, I think I think there were a few. Uh, they, the Highlanders obviously didn't have that oomph from the bench. But, mate, that was just exciting footy to watch. It was unbelievable. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll cut to the chase. Crusaders are now Super Rugby Aotearoa champions, and they collected their fourth title in a row after defeating the Highlanders 32-22 at Orange Series Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Um, and the Highlanders were actually the better team for the first 60 minutes, but in typical Crusaders fashion, they leave their best to last. And two tries within as many minutes was the turning point in the game. And then after a, a sin bidding to C.O. Tompkinson, who again has been caught out for his tackle height, 
Um, that ultimately spelled the end of the game. Well, I mean, to me, the game was over after George Bridge scored a second try because that's when the Crusaders had their tails up. And as soon as they have their tails up in the closing stages and they have the lead, they're pretty much not going to let go of it, especially in front of their home crowd. Yeah. But again, man, I pass the mic to you. What was your what was your initial reaction after watching Sunday's game? Oh mate, when I when I saw when I saw the big man Connie, big Shannon Frizzell head over the line in the first minute, that that was when I knew that this was going to be an absolute blockbuster, and then to see the absolute workhorses in the in the engine room of uh, Jack Wenham and Putty Putty Parkinson give it to give it to bloody Sam Whitelock and Quinton Strange, and, and then hold them to almost nothing. That was very, very impressive. And then uh, you just, like I said in the in the in the potty before, um, those landers were going to get up for the occasion and absolutely give it to the uh, to the Crusaders. But um, I just want to mention that both Will Jordan and Sevi Reese went for 118 and 104 running meters, which is pretty phenomenal in my opinion. With uh, with 14 and 10 carries. So yeah, those guys from the back—they were lethal. I think it was just—I think it was the Highlanders' tactical kicking game in patches that let them down, especially them not choosing to exit from the twenty-two, and then giving basically the the Crusaders that try. I can't remember when it was, but that was it. Was, the, was, it was huge... the first bridge try? Yeah, that yeah. was that was that the... was a huge turning point right there. I found um, well, just an absolute brain explosion there. Well, dating back to a, a podcast I did a couple of weeks ago um, with Adam Julian, we, we both talked about how when, when you're playing the Crusaders in Christchurch, you can't look to grind them out because no. they are the, the grinder-outerers or, or the best of the best. Mm. And so I think when you, when you give that example, they almost died by the sword after living by it for the first 60 minutes of that game. Now... Yeah, like I said, the the Highlanders were the better team for the first 60 minutes, and then after they scored the first try in the second half uh, through Michael Collins, I was like, oh, shit. The Highlanders <laughs> might be up here, but as you've had a mention too, you know, one costly mistake in their own red zone. The Crusaders turn it over, bang it down the left-hand tram tracks, and then it's try time to George Bridge. And then they kick long. Crusaders yep. then are running it out of their own half and then, you know, one nice little break by, I think it was Mitchell Dunshay, a nice little offload to to Richie Moanga. And yeah, then it's, right. just, it's just try time from there. I mean, I mean, in fairness, though, to the Crusaders, they were they were lucky not to have a try uh, 10 minutes earlier, although um, Josh Mackay showed why you should never, ever give up on a play. And oh. he managed to knock the ball out of old Brynholz's hands. And then Brynner gets subbed. How good was that? That would have left such a sour taste in his mouth leaving the field from that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the Crusaders had shown an ability to create opportunities to score tries. I mean, the, even their first try was, was, a, was a really nicely taken try where down um, on the right-hand flank with a nice cutout pass from Brim Hall putting Severis away, and then they just went hands-on on the inside. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a lot else to say from Sunday's performance. Like, I mean, I mentioned last week that it was going to take an 80-minute performance from the Highlanders, and then I knew they were going to turn up and be in it for the majority of the game, but I wasn't sure that they had the gas 
to yeah. withstand the, I guess, the onslaught or you know the the constant sort of chipping away that the Crusaders do throughout a ball game. And unfortunately for them, even though they found themselves up by close to ten points, a couple of defensive lapses or, or a mistake and then a defensive lapse, well, you know, within two minutes of scoring their own try to put themselves um, sort of further away or you know to boost their buffer. The game gets gets flipped on its head, and yeah, I mean, I've had a mention to Co Tomkinson going to the bin for for another high shot, and I think I, I think I even mentioned it last week with you. I mean, I know that you were singing his praises and about how he can put a good shoulder on, but yeah, I think that I even paid a mention to the fact that you know he's for a, for as big a hitter as he is, he he has struggled at times to get that timing right of you know maybe catching guys as they're trending downwards. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate for him. I, I actually thought that he'd actually cleaned up his act and been pretty well disciplined up until Sunday's game. And uh, it's it's just one of those things in footy, you know, when you, these guys are travelling a million miles an hour that sometimes it is just, you know, one slight change of, you know, yeah. of, of body height. And, you know, and, you know, him maybe not accounting for a last-minute sort of body movement that he ultimately ends up in the bin. But, oh, I mean, the game was done for me after George Bridge scored that no, second I'm try. Glad, I'm glad they saw the sense in that... Uh, that he was attempting to brace himself, but yeah, of course he made contact with the head on an old old mate Jaeger, poor bugger. But uh, I'm glad it was a yellow rather than a red, even though it did stem to the end of the game for for those Landers boys. But you know they were absolute engine rooms um, on the defensive side with uh, Dylan Hunt and Shannon Frizzell going 14 and 15 on the tackle count. Um, that was that was some huge. Huge play by those boys on the defensive, and then to see what they did with also ball in hand with big uh, Frizzell with ten carries, forty six meters, and they were just aggressive carries. How good was he on Sunday? Like I know that the Crusaders won, but he was the standout individual. Like just just from the get go, like I mean, you mentioned his tackling, and I know that he topped the tackle count with fifteen, but. I would have said at least a third of them were knocking guys back behind the advantage oh. line. There was one where he caught yeah. Jack Hugh, and I think there was another one where he caught Tom Christie. Like he's just, he's probably, I, I know that Hoskins Satutu has been the talk of the competition, but I think in his absence the last couple of weeks, if you were to pick a guy in terms of like longevity, because you know as the saying goes, the best ability is availability. Yeah. That he's arguably been the best forward of the competition. Now he's been unfortunate to be on the wrong side of the of the ledger for a number of the games that he's played in, but he's been something else, and he 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 has cemented a spot. I don't care what happens this weekend, and and fingers crossed that he um well yeah. fingers crossed that he doesn't get injured because like like we've seen there's there's been so much attrition um with this with this test match level like football, but yeah like he's 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 pretty much got that All Black Six jersey in and, his bag, and I feel you know with with uh, poor old Hoskins, you know obviously he won the the Blues Players Player of the Year award, which is fair for him, and uh, um, Paddy Toops taking the Player of the Year award. Mate, I just think those 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 two what was it is it two or three weeks he's he's sat down now on mm-hmm. Hoskins, yeah, and how quickly this competition has changed the the talk of the town is now definitely around. Um, the likes of of, of Shannon Frizzell and, uh, and definitely Akira Iwani at the moment because he's, he's cleaned up his act and he's realised that, oh, he doesn't have the eight jerseys cemented as regularly as we used to have it. 
So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see next year a healthy Hoskins versus a, a Kira again, but especially in this All Blacks frame, seeing what the players are bringing in those uh, those enforcing type of players. Exactly. Oh, well, I think I think they just need to find a nice complement to to Adi Severe and Sam Cannon. I think with the way that Shannon Frizzell has been playing for the Highlanders, I think that he would just round out that trio. Mm. The best, and he's been in the All Blacks environment, which yeah. you which you can't overlook. He's um, 196 centimeters, so he's a he's a credible lineout option as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I mean, like I know that the Hurricanes use Artie, but you do need height at that next level, especially when you're competing with bigger teams like the Springboks and and the English. So, yeah, he's 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 for me like off the back of what he's done over the last going into ten weeks. Or in the eight games that he's played in, or seven games that he's played in, he's yeah he's been something else. Like I mean, off the back of last year, I wasn't so sure about him. I thought he might be one of those guys where he was a really good Super Rugby player, and maybe didn't have the work rate, or maybe the nous to get stuck in at the next level, at the test level. But he's yeah like and it's and it's one thing to look good in a pack that's doing really really well and i mean take nothing away from the rest of their hollanders pack i think they they really are punching above their weight yeah, but he's gotta, standing gotta out a, a, a shot mate you know that guy was was a huge before he had to go off with his i think it was a suspected knee knock to the knee but mate putty putty really kept sam whitelock quiet in that game and it just if you go back in the replays and you actually have a look at the set piece stuff and around the field play, mate, the guy's got I think it was like almost registered as a seven foot wingspan. He's getting his arms free, and he's getting uh, more meters um, post tackle than any player out there. Do you reckon so, it's because he's all arms and knees? Like he just he he's like an octopus, eh? Like, oh, but he's but he's obviously an octopus that doesn't feel like an octopus. He obviously hurts when you when you tackle him. Yeah. But it's like for a guy that I think he's a giant guy that big. squid rather than an octopus. If you were to give him, if we were going for an, uh, a comparison, because he's bloody he's what like two, two meters or six foot eight or something like that. Yeah. well over two meters. So yeah, we're, we're looking at a giant squid on, on the field. But you so, but you yeah. think about it though, like for a guy that big, he's he's got so much of a target area to you know maybe mm. catch him under the ribs or you know get a good one around the thighs. But like you said. He is that effective when he's carried um, as of late that he seems to be pressing past the advantage line and he's able to get that arm free with his length. So, yeah. no, yeah, he, he's definitely another one that stood up, um, especially after Josh Dixon went down for them, which was a huge loss. I know that in the first couple of weeks that he um, wasn't part of the, the Highlanders starting lineup, that they really struggled at line-out time. And that's, I mean, it still hasn't been as strong as it once was, but they, they, they managed to shore it up towards the back end. And unfortunately, it was just, yeah, like you mentioned, a, a lapse in their own red zone and then a defensive lapse when the Crusaders were pushing wide um, when they were looking to exit. And that was the difference. And ultimately, that's why the, the Crusaders are the golden standard of rugby because, you know, they don't have to be in the contest for the th- first 60 minutes or the first 65. Right, they just yeah. turn up when it matters most and they just have to this ability to score points just from anywhere on the park, unlike any other team. And it, and it always seems they were meant to do it. It's not like they're, they're sort of pulling something out of their ass like, like you, you maybe would have seen from a Hurricanes team at, of old. It always seems just so clinical and so 
what's what's the word that I'm looking for here? It's, you know, you, you know polished. what I mean. It's, 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 it's like yeah, polished or you know, it's just there's no luck to the Crusaders. Nah, it, nah, it, it's, a, it's a polished it, effort. Like yeah. they, they 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 almost simulate what the All Blacks were in what was it like 20, 2016, 2017 when they it just felt like they kicked up a another gear in that in those dying in those dying thirty minutes, twenty minutes of the game. They that's when you knew that the points were going to come on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they're really replicating that, and you and all you've got to do is just look at that back line, like. Go away, like people just go away and look at the the Sansa Super Rugby stats, and you're just gonna see numbers for days. It's like a bloody algebra test because those guys are uh, absolutely packed. You got Bryn Hall, Richie Mwanga. Richie Mwanga had a massive game. He had 12 carries, 94 meters. Uh, he had two effective offloads that led to some heavy line breaks. Then you got George Bridge, who was who dotted down twice and. Will Jordan, he had another huge game. And then you've just got to look up at Mr. Statastic, old Jack Goodhue. Not only was he clinical, but he was showing a more powerful-looking Conrad Smith style of play out there of just doing an all-rounded effort because mate, he had 13 carries or something like that, and he had uh, two offloads. And then when you look at him on the defensive end, mate, he was he was smacking guys. He got about 10 tackles. In there, and so mate, he just did everything. So the people who were saying that he hasn't had a warranted season on his on his uh, attack, you guys just need to go to spec savers and get some better prescriptions, mate, because he was a true footy player. Now I know that Anton Leonard Brown in the past has has led the competition in offloads, but yeah, Jack Goodhue was right there. He's just got this uncanny ability just to get that left arm free, and that, that's what that's what freed up George Bridge. On the outside for his first try, mm. it was it was actually a nicely weighted offload from Jack Kudju. But yeah, I mean you you paid a you paid a mention to Mwanga, and he's been my MVP of the season. Uh, and I know that you you touched on Jordy Barrett, and I mean he's he was a revelation when he came back from the Hurricanes after the after their buy. And it's also worth mentioning to um, the the Hollanders scrum half Aaron Smith. He's he's another one who's been something else. Now I know that Richie Mwanga has been the best player on the best team. But for me, personally, even though I did say in a post earlier this week that Richie Mwanga is the MVP, I don't think that anyone has been more important to their team, though, than Aaron Smith. Like the, yeah. he, he literally is the, the key to that Highlanders engine. And it's just been unfortunate that they didn't quite have the manpower or maybe the X factor in their backs to to get themselves across the line in a couple of games during Super Rugby Aotearoa. But like you mentioned, like Richie Mwanga is really really is some something else. Again, like referencing an article that I read earlier this week, he's supposed to be the quickest over the first ten metres in, in the Crusaders, and that that comes as no surprise to me. And I'm like I know that he plays first five, but you just have to watch him. His his running game is something else. I know that a lot of people make or to them, you know, the best running first five in the world is Bowden Barrett, but with the way that Richie Moanga has been playing, not only this year, but, you know, in, in the past three years where the Crusaders have won the international Super Rugby titles, you know, he's just gone from strength to strength every week, and, like, he, even though I am Bar- Bowden Barrett's biggest fan, like, don't get me wrong, Richie Moanga is just, is just something else at the moment, and he, it's not just the running game, 
It's just everything that he's doing. You know, he's just so composed, and he was the catalyst and has been the catalyst for all of the Crusaders' late comebacks and the games where it's sort of been, you know, you're not sure which way the result's going to go, you know, but cometh the hour, cometh the man. Yeah. And the guy who's constantly delivered for the Crusaders has been... Yeah, you just got to look at Richie Moore and his touch highlights, mate. That guy was <laughs> lethal. Just chuck him up on YouTube. But for, say, the, to the kiddies out there or the rugby believers, as I may call you, who still believe they've got something in the tank to give, who find themselves slotting in like the nine jersey at 85s level or even P2s or, or Prem 1s. Um, Aaron Smith, he is literally, like you were saying, he's revolutionising that nine position and it's just the little things that he's doing that really make a big difference for the game. Like uh, if, you, if you've noticed uh, at the base of the ruck, he'll probably take a good three, four steps away from the last man's foot tracking across the line and you just got to watch his head position. He's still looking at the line, and he, he's got such great awareness of where his first receiver or second receiver is, where he's going to rip the pass. But if the guys start tracking and nobody's infilling, he's going straight for the line, and it doesn't matter. If he, if he gets 5 metres, 10 metres, he's just making sure, and he's probing. He's absolutely probing the defence. And I think that's something that he's going to carry into the international scene if we do get to see something that um, that's really going to expose some teams. That is a great yeah. point, but I also want to make the point that as a halfback, you're actually told not to do that. So I don't know how many times I've got a bollocking from my old man or my grandparent or whoever my coach is at the time. He's like, you know, clear off the deck. I don't want you to pick it up. I don't want you to pick it up. But the reason why Aaron Smith gets away with it is because he throws bullets and I can't. Yeah. And, and like he is, like, <laughs> like he, he, he really is revolutionising the game. And yeah. it's almost South African esque the way that Highlanders team runs because a lot of South African rugby is played off their nine. Yeah, yeah. And you know, again, take nothing away from Mitchan and Josh Iwani, who are awesome game drivers, but the 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 pace and the way that the Highlanders play is all dictated by Aaron Smith. And like you said, there were a number of times, even if the outside guy is shutting off, you know, that, which a lot of teams are looking to run now, that, that sort of C and D channel rushing up off yeah. the outside to cut off that late pass. Aaron Smith will take it to the A or B defender and just pop that guy running off his shoulder into a hole. And, you know, or if the guy doesn't take him, you know, he's shooting through the gap because we've seen just how lethal his running game has been when you give him an inch of space. So, yeah, I mean, like, you, you just look at a lot of the tries that the, the Highlanders have scored and you look at what happened on Saturday. I mean, not, not on Saturday, sorry, on Sunday afternoon with Shannon Frizzell's try. That was all Aaron Smith. Mm. I mean, Shannon Frizzell puts himself in the position to catch that ball and runs a nice line, but it's the pass and the the threat that Aaron Smith poses when he looks to run on that arc just outside that A defender with, with one guy coming short and then Frizzell punching in sort of on that long hole. Yeah, he like he is like for me he's he's the most important player on, on any team in world rugby at the moment, and I know I know that's a I know that's a, a pretty broad call, and I don't, you know, and I mentioned last week I don't watch any Australian rugby, and I don't really keep a tabs on the English game, but I just think that if you take out Aaron Smith, and even if you put Brad Weber in there, if you put TJ Perinara in there, that team would not be anywhere near as effective, or they wouldn't be able to run the same game plan just because. There is nobody on earth who probably does their core role as well as Aaron Smith. And for a halfback, that's clearing the ball. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah. Nah, it was good. So yeah, bro. But um that wraps everything up. I mean, it, it's really unfortunate that we're not going into round ten not knowing who the victor is and Oh we'll be having it's, it's that. always Kiwi Kiwi schoolyard rules, last try wins. That's what you put it down to, eh? Last try wins against the, the Blues Crusaders. How good so would that be it. if the Crusaders actually put the trophy on the line and they said, like, no. nah, yeah, last try wins? I've uh, got it, sure. <laughs> Come on, Razor. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you very much, my man, and until next time, mate. stay safe. No worries, you too, bro. Later.